Psalm 5, Psalm 5. We're out of Genesis uh, for tonight. We're just going to look at this psalm. It's a good psalm. Uh, something that's uh, been on my heart lately about prayer. So Psalm chapter 5. We're going to read the whole, whole psalm. I'm going to begin in verse 1. Psalm 5. Give ear to my words, O Lord, and consider my groaning. Give attention to the sound of my cry, my King and my God. For to you do I pray. O Lord, in the morning you hear my voice. In the morning I prepare a sacrifice for you and watch. For you're not a God who delights in wickedness. Evil may not dwell with you. The boastful shall not stand before your eyes, and you hate all evildoers. You destroy those who speak lies. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. But I, through the abundance of your steadfast love, will enter your house. I will bow down toward your holy temple in the fear of you. Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your way straight before me. For there is no truth in their mouth. Their inmost self is destruction. Their throat is an open grave. They flatter with their tongue. Make them bear their guilt, O God. Let them fall by their, by their own counsels. Because of the abundance of their transgressions, cast them out. For they rebelled against you. But let all who take refuge in you rejoice and let them ever sing for joy. And spread your protection over them that those who love your name may exult in you. For you bless the righteous, O Lord. You cover him with favor as with a shield. Father, we are so thankful for your grace to us. And God, we're thankful for the privilege of prayer. Uh, Father, I, I'm sorry, God, when uh, we don't hold prayer uh, to the priority and the value that we ought to give it. Uh, Father, we are sorry when we are prayerless. God, we, we repent of, of going throughout a day, going throughout a week. Uh, and not being fervent in prayer, not giving time and attention to, to bringing what we desperately need before your throne. And Father, I pray that you'd teach us to pray. I think about when the disciples uh, ask you for that. And Lord, we want to ask you for the same thing. And God, we want you to put, uh, through the power of your Holy Spirit, in us a fervency in our prayer and a diligence to pray. Uh, God, there are so many things that we need as a church. God, there's so many... Um, things that we, God, we need you to move in and to transform and to bless. So, Lord, please make us a, a people of prayer. Father, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever thought about that uh, God enjoys it when you pray? You ever thought about God enjoying things? Yeah, you, ever, you, ever, you ever think about that? Uh, sometimes we, we think of God in a way that we almost make him without emotion. But uh, through the scriptures, I think it, it's pretty clear that God delights in the prayers of his people. Okay, God likes it when you pray. He enjoys that when you pray. And, 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 I, and I think some of that is hard for us to get our heads around because we're not like God. And, and, and we shouldn't try to make God like we are. Uh, but God enjoys, God delights in the prayers of his people for several reasons. First of all, God never wears out, okay? Uh, you can pray and pray and persevere in prayer and bring something to the throne of God day after day and night after night. And God is never going to get tired of you coming. Isn't that great? He's never going to get tired. He's never going to get bothered by you. Now, you know, if, if you come to me day and night about something, I'm going to get bothered. In fact, if you just come to me day, you know, I'll get bothered. You know, not to just leave out the night. But if you come all day, it's going to wear on me and I'm going to get bothered. I'm going to get tired and then there's going to be things I can't do. And so I'm going to get weary of you. God never gets weary. 
weary of his people coming to him in prayer. God never, God never wearies of us asking for something over and over. In fact, in Luke chapter 18, he tells a parable for the specific purpose of getting it into our heads that it's a great thing for us to go to God and wear him out. Not that we can, but, but, but to attempt to do that in prayer. Remember the, the widow uh, who, who, who goes to the unjust judge relentlessly coming to him day and night. And God says, that's what I want you to do to me. I'm not an unrighteous judge. I'm not like that guy, okay? I, I, I am better than that. And so you come to me. If, if she came to him that way, how much more should you come to me and wear me? I just, just come and, 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 and relentlessly to my throne asking for those things that you need. You know, sometimes people have the mistaken notion that, that they, they need to try to do some things on their own, you know, uh, that, that, that they shouldn't come to God for everything because for some things they should just, they should learn how to, how to be okay on their own. That is never true. Okay. That's true with our kids. You know, I, I certainly don't want to be picking up my kids' clothes forever. I don't want to be uh, brushing their teeth. I brush Haven's teeth right now. You know, if I had to brush Hannah's teeth at night, that'd be a really discouraging thing, you know? I mean, at 17, you ought to be able to brush your own teeth. You ought to be able to do that on your own. And sometimes we apply that same kind of kind of thinking toward God is that, you know what? I ought to be able to do this on my own. I ought to be able to uh, handle my work on my own. I ought to be able to handle temptation on my own. I ought to be able to handle, you know, my marriage on my own. No, never, okay? The Bible Bible says the exact opposite. In John 15, 5, it says, you can't do anything without me, okay? You can't do anything without abiding in me. Whatever we try to do on our own power or on our own strength, we're going to fail at it. It's going to be useless. It's going to be spiritual, uh, spiritually neutral. Nothing's going to happen good with that. We've got to depend on God. God wants us to pray. He delights to hear our prayers. I like what Matthew 7, 7 says. It says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. If, you, if you've ever read the Greek, text of that. It's they're, they're present tense verbs. Ask and keep on asking. You know, seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11 says, uh, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for wholeness and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you'll call upon me and come and pray to me and I'll hear you and you'll seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart, with fervency, with energy. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 33, he says a similar thing. 33.3, he says, call to me and I'll answer you and I'll tell you great hidden things that I have known. God likes for you to pray. He wants you to pray. He enjoys for you to pray. It's essential to your relationship with God, to have a right relationship with him, for you to spend time in prayer. Now, for me to just say pray, uh, that, that's... that. that Sometimes that's not enough, okay? Because some people think, well, I do pray, you know? I pray right, you know, before I eat my chicken every day. You know, I, I say, thank you, Lord, for my chicken, and, and then I eat. And, and that's really not what we're talking about. The Bible talks about giving significant time and priority to prayer. What's that going to look like in your life? I hesitate to say that, uh, but, but I know what it looks like in my life. What it looks like in my life is me giving God priority times in my day. For me, that's early in the morning, and it's some other time during the day. Uh, and then giving a little bit at night too, but at night I'm not worth very much. And so that, that's really not the great time for me to pray. But what it means for me is, is giving God the first thing in the morning, giving him about an hour there to read my Bible and to pray. And then sometime during the day, slipping off, getting outside, walking around, praying, uh, j- just having a time of prayer during the, the kind of the middle of the day. That's what it means in my life. What that's going to mean in your life, I don't know. It probably looks something similar to that. But folks, God, God wants us to value prayer in that way. And think of why, why we should value prayer. Prayer is a means by which we receive the treasures of God. True or false? That's true, isn't it? We, we get the good things of God through prayer. 
not, not that God's a vending machine. We don't want to look at him that way. That would be a bad way to look at God. But God has ordained prayer. It's God's idea. He said, look, I'm going to release my power. I'm going to release my riches into your life when you pray. And so when you pray. So because God has done that, he's, he's set it up that way. Man, it's a good thing for us to look at God in that way. The, the God has a storehouse of things that we need, okay? Things that you need. Walmart is a storehouse of things that you don't need, okay? God is a storehouse of things that you do need. Very different, very different things, okay? God is a storehouse of strength and of comfort and of encouragement and of everything that you need, okay? And so prayer is you coming to that storehouse. It's you asking God to give you those things that you desperately need. Now, that's a fun thing, isn't it? I mean, that's a joyful thing. It makes sense, that, that, that if we're convinced that God has what we need, that we would be excited about prayer. Now, let me challenge you with this. If you're not very excited about prayer, if you have a hard time, you know, just, just being consistent in prayer, it could be that you're not quite convinced that God has what you need. True? Now, maybe in your head you are, but in your heart, maybe not. You see, I'm never excited about going to Hobby Lobby. You know, some of you, some of you ladies are, I am never, never once in my life. And I've been there a bunch, but never, not one time have I had any joyful anticipation about going to Hobby Lobby because I am completely and thoroughly convinced there is not one thing in that store that I want, okay, or need or could use. There's just not, maybe there is, and I just don't know about it, but I, I've seen what's in there and I, I just don't think there is. And so I'm not excited about going there. Now, now see, I think the same principle could apply to you, to me, if if, if we're at a point in our life where we're not really excited about prayer, could it be that we're not convinced that God has what we need? We're not convinced that he's, he's going to give what we really need. I want you to notice the way that the psalmist starts out Psalm 5. Psalm 5 verse 1 says, Give ear to my words, O Lord, and consider my groaning. Okay? Give ear to my words and consider my groaning. Now, I don't want you to think that the psalmist is starting out saying, God, please hear me because I don't know if you're going to. Uh, don't, don't hear that. Don't hear doubt. Okay? He's not saying, oh, God, please hear me, please. You know, I don't think you're going to hear me, so I'm just begging you right now to hear my prayer. He's, he's not saying that. What, what, what the psalmist is doing here, the psalmist is, is, is basically saying, uh, I am asking for something incredibly important. Okay? It, it'd be kind of equivalent for me to get up here today and say, okay, guys, hey, listen up, listen up. I got something really heavy upon my heart. Put, please hear me out on this. Okay, now when, when I say that to you, I'm not saying, okay, you guys usually don't listen, and so please listen now. I'm not saying that, am I? What I'm saying is, man, there's something really important that I'm about to share with you, okay? So in the same way, that's what the psalmist is doing here in verse 1. He's saying, Lord, give ear to my words, O Lord, consider my groaning. What, what, when you groan, what, 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 what is that? Okay? When, when you're groaning, what that means is there, there's something that you feel so strongly about that you're having a hard time expressing it. Okay? There's something urgent that you need. That's when people groan. I've seen people groan in, in the emergency room. I've seen that. I've seen them you know, so, so in anguish about a family member or a loved one that they literally, as, as we begin to pray, they just begin just, just to groan, maybe to sob. Okay, I've seen people do that in, in marital counseling. I've seen people do that at the police station, you know, when just something tragic has happened and, and there's just there's just this groaning inside. That's what he's talking about. He's saying, God, I've got something so important that I'm about to ask you for something so, so passionate in my soul that I'm about to ask you for. God, please hear, hear this thing in my heart because I'm fervent about it. Let, let me ask you, is there anything in your life? 
Man, this is a convicting question for me, okay? Maybe it won't be for you, it is for me. Is there anything in your life that you're that fervent about, asking God about? That when you come to him, man, there's just this, there's this thing welling up inside of you. And you're like, God, please, oh, Lord, this is so important to me. This is so vital. Lord, I don't think I can live without this. I need this from you, God. And, and, and there's a groaning inside. Man, sometimes we're, we just lack that. We lack that fervency of prayer. I like what Spurgeon said. Some of you are going to like this. He said... He said, prayer without fervency is like hunting with a dead dog. Isn't that great? Prayer without fervency is like hunting with a dead dog. Man, there should be some heat. There should be some heat in, in, in your prayers. And, and I can't believe, I can't believe that, that we're not fervent because there's, there's not things that we really desire from God. Man, I desire my kids' salvation. I desire that, man. I want them to follow Jesus. I really want that. I, I want a spiritual marriage, man. I, I, I want the kind of marriage that God wants me to have. I want victory over temptation. I, I want, I want a he, the healing of those that I love. I want Mindy Harris to be cancer-free, man. I want those things. I, I want those things. And, and I think you've got those things that in your life that you want as well. And, and we all have those sorts of things in our life. So, so why, let me ask you this. Why isn't our prayer life always as fervent? As it should be. Let, let, me, let, me, let me throw something out. Could it be that sometimes we presumptuously think that we have those things? You think we do that sometimes? Hey, things are going well with my kids. You know, they're not in a gang. They're not in trouble. It seems, you know, they're nice kids. It's going to be fine. Our marriage is fine. It's pretty good. You know, we're, we're nice to each other. Uh, I don't know of any great temptation in my life. It's pretty boring. You, you ever feel that way? You just kind of approach life like that, that, yeah, things are okay. And so, so it's going to be okay. You know, there's two things there. Number one, I think sometimes we don't see the dangers, okay? It, isn't, it, isn't it possible that things are not going to be okay, you know? Isn't it possible that, that maybe the devil is, is working where we don't see him working and maybe temptation's happening where we don't see it happening and, and maybe our boring life is, is kind of the, the calm before the storm? I mean, isn't that possible that those things are there? And, and then number two, so maybe we don't see the danger. Maybe that's why we're not fervent. But I think more than ever, it, it's this. I think sometimes we don't see what could be. I mean, I, I think that, that really cuts uh, out the fervency of our prayer is when our goals are too low. When we're, when we're satisfied with way too little from God. Instead of aiming for kids that, that are not just okay, but kids that, that dig into their Bibles every morning and, and are passionate about prayer and they're starting a prayer group at their school and, and they're going on mission trips and, and, and they're living out holy lives and they're serving their church. Instead of that, some parents, their, their, their level is just, well, he went to Falls Creek, he made a profession of faith, he got baptized, Whew, it's good, okay? That's way too low, isn't it? You know, and sometimes instead of aiming for a marriage of dynamic prayer where a husband and wife, man, they're, they're serving the Lord together and they're interceding in prayer together and, and they're affectionate and encouraging. Instead of that, we kind of settle for, hey, things are okay. You know, we're not getting a divorce and, and it's all right. And maybe instead of aiming for a church that is radically transforming a community, we settle for one that it's nice and it's pleasant and, it, and it's, you know, it, it, it's comfortable for me to go to. I think sometimes we aim too low. And we had a family in church this morning. It just broke my heart. 
they come from another church and, and, and they, the reason they came, uh, something to the effect of, basically they just said, you know, the pastor got up and he said, you know, we're, we're going to do away with all this kind of stuff we've been doing to try to reach out to our community. And we're just going to be kind of a, I don't know what he said. I hate to even quote. But just basically, we're going we're gonna to be at the church that we want, you know, which basically is, you know, guys, hey, are we, what are we comfortable doing? You know, that's what we're going to do. Man, that's a heartbreaker when, when your goal is that low. When your goal is, hey, we're all here and we all love each other. And so let's just stay just like this, you know. And we'll die off one by one. <laughs> we'll get really good at doing funerals and our funeral meals will be the best ever, you know. And don't shoot too high. I don't. I don't know. Maybe it's something else. But I think. I think many times it's it's one of those two things, isn't it? It's it's that we simply don't see the dangers. Our eyes are not open to see. Man, things are unraveling here right in front of me. I think that. I think that's real. I think that one's real in a lot of people's lives. I, I can't tell you how many people don't see it coming. You know, they don't see. Their family falling apart. They don't see their kids going astray. They don't see their marriage unraveling. They, they, they don't see those things. They don't see their church beginning to die. They, they, they're just not awake to those things. And so there's not a fervency in their prayer. But again, I think a lot of times it's simply that we, we have our eyes open, but our goals are just way too low. And so there, there's no passion in our prayers. Notice verse 3. Oh Lord, in the morning you hear my voice. Now there's some of you that hate that verse, don't you? Huh? Come on, tell me the truth. There's some of you that think, man, that you now we, we need to we need to interpret that differently, don't we? You know, we need we need to interpret it as depending on your if you're a morning person, Lord, you hear my voice in the morning, right? Uh, some of you would make a great case that the best time for you to pray is about three in the morning. You know, that that's when. And, and I know everybody's on a different, you know, whatever that's called, your internal clock or whatever. I understand that. Um, but, but, but if I could, let me appeal to you in, in a couple different ways. Number one, Jesus rose early and prayed, you know, and, and you say, well, Jesus was a morning person, but he made me an evening person. You know, I, I, I don't know. I can't prove that, but I do know this. He rose early in the morning and prayed. He said before dark, you know, he would go out and pray. He made a habit of that. Um, I know that number one, I know number two, it is quiet in the morning. Okay. I know that. And you say, well, it's quiet at three. In the-. I don't know if it's quiet at three at night. I'm never up then. Okay. Uh, but I do know this It's quiet in the morning. Uh, I do know that before the day gets started, before the kids are up, before breakfast is on the table, before we got to go somewhere, before we got to do something, that's a great time to pray. Um, I do know that, that I, getting up early makes me say no to my flesh, and that's a good thing. Uh, you, you know, it's just a good thing to tell your flesh no. Um, that, that's a good discipline. That's why, that's why we fast. Uh, the whole principle of fasting is, is basically learning to tell your flesh no uh, for a superior pre- pleasure of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I, I think the morning is 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 good for that reason. Um, I am rested. Uh, again, some of you maybe on a different different clock. Maybe that doesn't uh, make sense for you. But but I, I, in other words, I'm saying I think there's some biblical evidence to say that you ought to try this. You, you ought to try uh, having a prayer time in the morning. He said, "Oh Lord, in the morning you hear my voice," and and then notice this: in the morning I prepare a sacrifice for you. And watch. Okay, now, first of all, that, that I prepare a sacrifice for you, that's translated in a lot of different ways. Let, let, me, let me give you some of the translations. In New American Standard Bible, says, I order my prayer to you. Uh, the NIV, NIV says, I lay my request before you. King James Version says, I direct my prayer into thee. It's translated a lot of different ways because, interestingly enough, in the Hebrew, it just simply says, 
in the morning, I direct or I, I prepare. Okay, that, that's all it says. And, and, and I think it finishes off um, and watch uh, for you and watch or something like that. But it doesn't tell what it prepares. Okay, now. Let me tell you why people have translated it. First of all, everybody thinks it's talking about prayer. And that's pretty obvious because the whole psalm in this section is talking about prayer. But the reason the ESV translates it uh, to, to direct a sacrifice or direct, prepare a sacrifice for you is because that word prepare or direct, the word that's there, that word is used elsewhere in the Bible over and over again for arranging a sacrifice. Okay, So in the Old Testament, when they would arrange the wood and the pieces of the animal on the altar, that's the word they would use. The other place it's used in the Old Testament in Exodus is when they would prepare the showbread. Okay? When they would arrange the showbread on the table in, in, in the tabernacle, they would use that word. And so it's a word that's heavily used for, for, for preparing a sacrifice for God. Okay? Now here's what I would tell you. Prayer is a, is, is a sacrifice, a type of sacrifice to God. Psalm chapter 50, verse 14 and um, 15 says, Offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving. That's prayer. And perform your vows to the Most High. Call upon on me. That's prayer. In the day of trouble, and I will I will deliver you and, and you will glorify me. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15, it says, Through him, then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. So so several places in the Bible it describes prayer as a sacrifice. All right. So I, I believe it's appropriate to translate this verse. In the morning, I'm going to prepare a sacrifice of prayer for you and watch. Okay, now here's the picture there. The picture there is of somebody preparing, okay, their their sacrifice to God, preparing their prayer to God. Now, when you prepare something, what do you do? You you think about it. You give thought to it, right? You arrange it in a way that's pleasing to the Lord. You you know what I believe the psalmist is saying there? He's saying, you know what? I, I prepare my prayers, you know, when I talk to people about prayer, one of the one of the things that comes up over and over again is, you know what, Pastor? I, I get down on my knees and and, uh, and I start to pray, and my mind just goes blank. You know, I got nothing. You know the reason why? Probably because you've not prepared what you want to pray. You know, you've not arranged. You know, you, you just. I mean, can you imagine coming into the the, the tabernacle? You know, in the Old Testament, and, and just coming up to the altar there, and man, you you didn't think about bringing a, a sheep or a goat or uh, a ram or. Uh, a turtle dove or a bull, you know, you just kind of got up there and just kind of looked around. Uh, what am I supposed to do? You know, awkward, didn't bring anything. Uh, you know, that'd be awkward, wouldn't it? I think some people approach prayer that way. You know, they, they haven't really thought about what do I want God to do in my life and what do I need? And, and they haven't prepared their prayer for the Lord. I think there's some merit in, in thinking about, man, God, what are you doing in my life? You know, what should I ask for? What, what's most valuable? We get this from the scriptures, by the way. There's all kinds of prayers in the scripture where Paul and, and John and Peter, they're telling us, here's what you ought to pray for. Here's what's really valuable in your life. Here's what's most needed in your life and in the lives of those you're praying for. Here's what's most timely right now. I mean, have you ever thought about what should you pray for our church? That changes all the time, doesn't it? I mean, I mean what you should pray for us, that's different right now than it was 10 years ago. It's different. Because we're in a different spot as a church. We've got different challenges ahead of us. And we've got different needs. And and, and we ought to think that through. We ought not just come. And for the last 20 years we've been praying, Lord bless our church. Okay, you see that? You haven't arranged much, have you? You haven't prepared much for the Lord. We ought to think about it. I'm not saying you can't be spontaneous. I think you should. I'm not saying you shouldn't pray without ceasing. The Bible tells us you should. You should pray all day long. But, But you should pray 
in a way that, that shows God, man, I'm fervent about this. You know what? When we go on vacation, I plan that out. You know, I, I give thought to that. I give thought about what, what's going to be the best thing for my family and what's going to be the, the biggest bang for our buck and what's going to be the best thing for my kids and what's going to create the best memories and what's going to be the most economical and what's going to be the most feasible. I think about all that. It's vacation. How much more when I'm praying for my kids and my, my wife and my church and my friends should I think and plan out, God, what are you doing here? So he says in the morning, in the morning, God, you're going to hear my voice in the morning. I'm going to prepare this sacrifice of prayer. And then notice what he says. I'm going to prepare it for you and I'm going to watch. Okay, if you have the NAS, I like it says, it says, I'm going to eagerly watch. Okay, now why is he going to watch? Well, again, if, if we believe that, that God has what we need, do we believe that? I'm just not convinced you guys believe that yet. Do we, do we believe that God has what we need? If we believe that, okay, then, then isn't it something that we're going to watch for, okay? You ever, you ever order anything that you, that you really needed, that you really wanted, you know? Got any Ebayers or Etsy or any of that stuff, you know? And you order this thing, and what do you do? Man, all of a sudden, the mail's an event, right? Got to be home for the mail, you know? And, and you, you got you to look for that. I grew up on a farm, so my, my grandpa and my dad, they got their ASCS office checks, you know, a certain time during the month. You know, mail was a big deal, you know? We'd drive 40 miles in from, from, from the field, you know, so my grandpa could check the mail, you know? I mean, that's a big deal. Why? Because he was eagerly watching for something that was valuable for him, to him. How many times do you, you pray about something and you, you never ever think about it again? Let me, let me tell you what I've been convicted of. If I don't ever think about it again, did I really want it? You ever order anything and you just forgot about it? Maybe you have, I don't know. My grandma orders that stuff from that Finger Hut catalog and I think I would forget about anything in that catalog. <laughs> there's not much in there. I'm hurting feelings, aren't I? I'm sorry. There probably is. There probably is. I just haven't seen it. I haven't looked through it thoroughly. I, I think if we, if we really value what we ask for, we're going we're to watch for it. We're going to eagerly wait for it. Let me tell you about George Mueller. Listen to this illustration. Remember him? The guy that, the, the more orphanages. And, oh man, he would pray in breakfast, you know? He's got three, four, I don't remember how many orphans. You know, 500 orphans, 1,000. They don't have anything to eat in the morning. So he's, he's not sweating it. You know, he just gets down on his knees. God, please provide something to eat. You know, please give these, you know, they, they need something to eat. And Lord, you're going to glorify your name by this. I mean, he would pray in prayer. This guy, this guy who knew how to pray. In 1864, here's what he said. He said that he had asked the Lord for certain specific things for 19 years and six months without missing a day. And some of those things he was still watching eagerly. For the answer. Have you prayed? Have you prayed for anything for 19 years and six months? Have you prayed for anything for 19 days and six hours? Hope you have. Some of you have, I think. Eagerly watch. We don't have time for much of the rest of this, but in verse four through seven, uh, man, you see him. You see him saying, "God, I know exactly how you feel about evil, and I know exactly how you feel about righteousness." And so I feel perfectly comfortable saying, God, I, I, want you to, I want you to take down evil and I want you to exalt the righteous. And, and then I, I want to draw your attention to verse, verse 11 and 12. That's where we're going to end. 
These are great verses. Let all who take refuge in you rejoice and let them ever sing for joy and spread your protection over them that those who love your name may exult in you. For you bless the righteous, O Lord. You cover him with favor as with a shield. You know what he's confident of? He's confident that God blesses the righteous. He's confident that, that there is great joy in the things of God. We ought to pray with joy. I was riding my bike uh, this last week. Uh, I think it was Tuesday, Wednesday, something like that. Thursday, I was by myself. Drew's been under the weather. And I was coming out, and I was, I was driving outside of town. I usually make it about to the wind farm as the sun is starting to peek over the horizon. And, uh, and it started to come up. And, and I'm not a guy that's all kind of, woo, you know, got a sign, saw a ghost, that sort of thing. But it was starting to, starting to peek up over the horizon. And usually once it peeks over the horizon, it goes really quickly. Have you ever noticed that? And I don't know if I was heading down. I, I don't know the circumstances. Maybe it, was, maybe it was God, you know, but I just felt like it was just hanging there. And, and the story came to my mind when... Uh, when, uh, oh, who was it? It's in the Old Testament, one of the kings. Elijah told him, maybe it was, was it Hezekiah. But anyway, he told him, um, I don't think who it was. He told him to strike the ground, or strike the ground with the arrows. Remember that? And so, so the guy strikes it three times. And, and, and the prophet's like, ah, why didn't you strike it more? You know, now you're going to, you're going to have like three, I can't remember what it was, three days, three, three years of victory over your enemies. But if you just struck it five or six or seven times, you'd have eradicated them. And, and I kind of had that feeling like God was saying, ask me for big things. And I'm riding and I just felt like God was saying, ask for big things. And so I was just going through my prayer list as fast as I could, you know, God bless this guy, and this guy and Lord, this one, we need him to be a leader and God raise us up. And, and, and I mean, there was like this urgency and I don't know why. I mean, I can't tell you why. I mean, it wasn't like there was a clock ticking or anything, but I just felt like God was saying, yes. I mean, so all of a sudden there's this urgency to my prayer. And I mean, I'm riding and I'm not even watching in my mirror. I could have get hit by a truck, but I'm, I'm so fervent on God. You know, now's the time you got to bless our church and. And I just felt like God was saying, ask, ask. And after I got him riding, I thought, man, why don't I pray that way every day? You know, I mean, why isn't that my urgency every day? I mean, and minute, let me tell you, it was a joyful thing for me to pray that. It was, just, it was exciting to think, man, God's going to do some great things. Let's pray that way. Let's pray together. Father God, I just thank you for giving us the gift of prayer. God, thank you, Jesus, for... Just providing us an opportunity, God, through the, the shed blood of Jesus Christ, that, that we can walk right into the throne room of God. And we can ask you for those things that we desperately need. And Father, help us to do that with passion and with fervency and God with joy. Father, we, we need you, Jesus. We need you in this church. Without you, God, we will fail, we'll fall. God, it'll all fall apart. You won't be glorified and people won't be saved. God, we need you to work through us. And we ask you to make us people of prayer. Father, we ask it in Jesus' name.